had a very interesting conversation on Monday about the future of BYU and the Big 12 Conference I want to discuss on this show, as well as catching up with K-pop, Kelly Papinga, on BYU's defensive events, as well as the special teams as special teams coordinator. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. We welcome on in to your daily podcast, your only, the excuse me, your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Big thank you to all of you who are our everydayers with us here on the podcast. And of course, thank you for making it your first listen of the day. Got my typical intro all out of order there, but nonetheless, you guys know the spiel on this show. And a big thank you for all the support. Please continue to subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your family and friends. Let them know about this. Thank you to all of you for all of the endless support you guys have given this podcast. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. Had a very intriguing conversation with a dear, uh, I guess it's a friend, we'll just refer to them as that yesterday, that led me to an interesting thought about today's podcast. And it was a thought about what is going to be the future for the Big 12 Conference as a whole, and obviously BYU being a member of that conference. And it was in the context of, with Utah entering the conference, uh, obviously with Arizona Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado also entering the conference. It's going to be a conference that's got a lot of pretty solid names, but no true brand names in the conference. And the question that came out of it was, what is this conference going to be known for? And that's an intriguing question in and of itself because you look at the SEC. They have got the biggest, baddest brands in the southeastern part of the United States. Just a very uh, unique identity amongst the southeastern conference. The Big Ten now stretches across the uh, the upper Midwest as well as the East Coast, while also now uh, jumping across to the West Coast. That's that's the interesting part about the Big Ten. It's got a lot of brand names in and of itself, and it's kind of stage uh, staking its claim to owning some of the biggest brands in all of college football. Well, that's the question about what the Big 12 is going to be. And that brought me to the thought as we were discussing this is that I think that the Big 12, the one thing it's going to have going for it is it's just going to be fun. F-U-N, fun to watch because this is a conference that traditionally, you look at the teams in the conference, they have typically gone up and down and everywhere in between during their time in the conference. I'm thinking of programs like a TCU. I'm thinking of Oklahoma State. I'm thinking of every other program in there as well as the con- the programs going into the conference. BYU's had its moments, obviously, where it's been very, very good. Other moments when it's been down. Traditionally, BYU over the past 50 years has been a typically solid program that has kind of found itself its floor seems to be around the five or six win mark and then that's a ceiling obviously is a national title in 1984 but double digit win seasons are not out of the question that's the thing about this I think you'll get every program that's either in the conference coming into the conference this year or entering the conference next year all of them seem to have a unique ability to go up and down seemingly just as quick uh, as, as one or the other. So that is the part about I think this conference is going to be fun is the fact that you're going to not necessarily know every single year who might be the upstart that breaks out and really shows what they're capable of. I think last year with TCU might be the uh, prime example of this. Think about this. They fire their head coach. Okay, fire him loosely termed, letting uh, Gary Patterson move on, ultimately ushering him out the door, then bringing Sonny Dykes in 
who essentially used the 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 backbone of the players that Gary Patterson recruited to TCU in Fort Worth and then makes a run just absolutely incredibly to the national title game. What an incredible run it was. Will TCU follow that up this year with another run like they had? I don't think so. But that's the thing about this is it was a really fun ride while it lasted. And I'm not convinced that every single year we can't have something similar. Maybe it won't necessarily be like TCU making a run to the national title game per se, but you could have a program that gets good, uh, goes out and absolutely balls out for a season, then maybe sinks back to the pack a little bit. That's that. That's the fun part, I think, about what this conference is going to entail in the Big 12, is the opportunity for these brands, and speaking of the individual schools in this conference, to think that any one of them on any given year, if they kind of play things right, play their cards right, build the right type of roster, and go out and have some luck thrown their way, because that's a lot of what TCU kind of relied on last year. Think of multiple instances where they got those game-winning walk-off kicks and absolutely furious rallies to get wins. But that could be something I think could happen for literally every team in this conference. And that, for the sheer entertainment factor, I think is what the Big 12 will kind of stake its claim to. Now, I know that Brett Yormark as well as the other people in the Big 12 office would love to have a clear identifiable identity for this conference and he's very much all in on branding and making sure that the Big 12 has its branding in place and obviously it's set up to succeed and he wants it to be an iconic brand out there but you know what you could do a lot worse than being maybe the funnest conference to watch I admit, I'm a college football junkie. I watch Fun Belt and Maction games midweek. I'm talking about the MAC as well as the Sun Belt Conference, which they play games Tuesday and Wednesday night, and they get some pretty wild games. I'm also a child of the 90s who watched what we used to call the Wacky Whack playout. There were 52-52 ties between Ty Detmer and San Diego State. We saw games that were shootouts routinely could be in the 40s or 50-point range between two teams on any given Saturday in those er- in that era of the Whack. That's the type of football that it draws eyeballs. Yes, it's not the cleanest game. The defenses obviously are struggling in that, but people love points. They love high-flying offense. I think that's exactly what the Big 12 can offer, and BYU absolutely can fit right into that. We all know that BYU's defense was not very good a year ago. It needs to improve this year. Is it going to be improved enough that BYU can go out and lock down opposing def- uh, opposing offenses? Excuse me. I don't think so. I don't think that you can necessarily count on that. Can you expect a little bit of a resurgence, maybe moving from where they were ranked in the 90s by and large in terms of most of the defensive metrics nationally last year? Can they maybe make a move back towards the 60s and start kind of inching their way towards the top 40, maybe even the top 30 at some point under Jay Hill's direction? Yes, I think that they can do that, but it's going to be a years-long effort ultimately to have it play out that way. I truly believe that. In the meantime, though, BYU's offense has been lights out. They've had great quarterback play. They've had above-average rushing attacks in the, uh, most of the years that Kalani Satake's been the head coach. There's a lot of people that uh, tell me that BYU's offensive line this year could be the best they've had in Kalani Satake's eight seasons as BYU's head coach. And that would obviously engender some confidence that BYU's offense can go out and maybe play some shootouts and win games of that variety. We all know that eyeballs get drawn to games that are just back and forth, up and down the field, touchdown, touchdown, trading scores back and forth. People tune into that. That's what I think the Big 12 might be able to hang its hat on, at least in the early running here 
of this new 16-team Big 12 that's going to lose Texas and Oklahoma and, like I said, kind of lose a lot of its quote-unquote blue-blood brand-name programs in it. Will there be programs that stamp themselves as the next generation of the, the big dogs in the Big 12 Conference? Yes, there will be. And I would think that BYU has aspirations of entering that fray. Obviously, they're going to have to continue to upgrade their recruiting, uh, the overall funding into the athletic department, especially the football program, to live that dream. But that's, I think, something that absolutely, the, the, I guess it's the unpredictable nature of what the Big 12 could be on an annual basis that I think could be its calling card. And I would embrace that. If I'm Brett Yormark, and trust me, he has no reason to listen to a lowly podcaster and sports radio producer like myself, but I would tell him, embrace some of the wackiness that this conference brings. It's known for high-flying offense. Embrace that. Obviously, you'd like to see defense, and people use the term defense wins championships, but any more in college football and even in the pros, offenses, elite offense is what truly does win championships. Look at Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Look at the Alabamas of yesteryear. Look at Georgia the last two years. Elite offense is what is really dominating the day. So the Big 12, yes, Embrace your offensive roots. Embrace the shootout nature of some of the games in your conference. And let's have some fun with it. You could do a lot worse than having that as your, like I said, your calling card or your 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 mantra, whatever you want to term it for the Big 12 Conference. And I, for one, cannot wait to get things going here. I'm looking forward to this season. I think it could be a lot of fun with the 12 team, with the, excuse me, the 14 teams in this conference this year, speaking of the Big 12. And then obviously with the two uh, exits of Texas and Oklahoma, along with four entrances of Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado, I think it could be a really really fun next five to six years under the current media rights deal that the Big 12 has and just kind of really build your identity and forge for, forge it yourselves. You don't have to have somebody thrust it upon you. You can create it for yourself. And I, for one, would be all in on the Big 12 continuing to be that conference that you know you're going to get wild, wild games, unpredictable in nature, and just sheer entertainment factor will be off the charts. I think they could do a lot worse than that in the Big 12. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to flip the gears and talk a little more specifically about BYU and in particular about BYU's defensive ends unit, how the defense is looking to Kelly Papinga, who also serves as BYU's special teams coordinator. We'll get to that conversation to continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, a new friend on the podcast today is our friends over at Nutrafol. And the best part about this is Nutrafol is you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol is here to provide your whole body health approach for men that wants to promote their healthier hair. Obviously, many of us out there, yours truly including, uh, included, have thinning hair. No drugs, no compromises. The whole goal with Nutrafol is just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Trust me, I, I look at my family lineage and it seems to be inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. They just recently sent me a package of this. I'm looking forward to getting started with it and see if it will work out for me. Do you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of it, uh, get ahead of that thinning by using our friends and their products at Nutrafol. Are you tired of weakening or thinning hair? Do you want to reach your full hair potential? Leading hair growth supplement Nutrafol helps provide your hair growth with visible thickness and visible scalp coverage. That is, that, trust me folks we all know that you don't want to be looking bald out there and trust me I don't want to do that. I think my wife would be less than thrilled if it was doing it for me. So the best part about this, take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering all of our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. 
Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthy hair. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. And enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get started today. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Thank you once again for making Locked On College, Locked On College, Locked On Cougars, your first listen of the day. Got that promo code stuck in my mind. But all the same, thank you for your support of the podcast. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Tuesday whenever you hear this. I'll be back out at BYU football practice uh, this morning on Tuesday morning. Media observation begins at 11.45. Uh, Media uh, availability in terms of interviews and the like will be around noon. And obviously we'll have more conversations for you guys on upcoming editions of the podcast from that, as well as a full recap of what ever I observe during media availability uh, coming from today's podcast on our Wednesday edition of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. All right. Time now to let you guys hear a great conversation I had actually last Wednesday with Kelly Papinga. He serves as BYU's defensive ends and edges coach, along with serving as the pe- special teams coordinator for the BYU football program. Covered a lot of ground in this uh, about his time at leaving BYU, coming back to coach the Cougars, his defensive end unit, and obviously a little talk about special teams. You'll hear him talk talk about the kicking situation in particular at the tail end of this conversation. So without further ado, here you go. Kelly Pampinga talking with myself right here on Locked on Cougars. How does it feel to be back at BYU participating in, in fall camp? Yeah, man, feels feels like home. Feels like being back where, you know, it all started and, yep. uh, you know, a place that I'm deeply passionate about, you know, being a fan growing up and then being able to have a chance to play here and in then in the previous coaching stint I had here. So it just feels like being back at home just with different people around. So trying to learn kind of the new ways of doing it, you know, the way that Kalani does it and Jay does it and A-Rod, but it's been awesome to learn from them and just kind of get a different perspective of how things are done here at BYU. And um, a lot of similarities from the old staff, yeah. um, but, you know, some differences as well. And it's, uh, it's just fun to see how everybody kind of has their different style to do stuff. You were very connected obviously, with Bronco during your time here, and then I was moving to Virginia with him, but you had experience now at Boise State and coming back here with Jay Hill. What do you feel like you've learned the most in your journeys as a coach so far? Man, <laughs> so I've learned a lot of schematics. Okay. Um, learned a lot of different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Learning a, you know, a different, even though it was still Bronco, a different way to use our, you know, Bronco's culture over in Virginia of how that would work with that team. And, you know, there's some things he used here that he used over there, but then he had to come up with kind of a whole different way to how to speak and help that team grow and develop. And, mm-hmm. and so just different ways to coach different, different players and, um, different people from around the country and then you know going to Boise just learning that culture that they've been very successful with over the years and so um, it's just it's just been for me a great learning experience over the seven years and hopefully you know I can take you know some of those great things I learned over those seven years and bring back what fits here because not everything's going to fit here but a lot of it will and uh, I'm just excited to kind of implement some of those things that I've learned. What's it been like working with uh, with Jay Hill so far? It's been great, man. You know, a guy that was kind of like my rival there for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we recruited against each other, uh-huh. coached against each other, and uh, really had never talked to him until started getting in that, uh, you know, that hiring process once Kalani had hired me. And, you know, I think he was getting hired, and I didn't know how it was all going down, but, you know, we get on the phone and, and – uh, and just had a great conversation. And ever since then, just found out that we have a lot more in common than, than you'd ever think, right? Okay. Who would think a BYU-Utah guy could get along, right, guys? Jeez. But uh, no, it's been great, man. I've learned a ton. Super, super smart. Mm-hmm. Very impressed on uh, how he manages the players. Yep. Uh, he sets really high expectations, but the way that he loves and cares for those guys, too, as well, um, he's, a, he's great at that. And so 
um, just to be able to have that balance to push guys hard and be able to love them up and care for them too at the same time. It's uh, it's been impressive to watch. When I saw your position group, you obviously have different guys with different body types. You got Tyler Batty, who looks like a prototypical four-three defensive end, and then opposite end you got guys like Isaiah Banya, who's more of a two stand-up two yeah. foot rusher. What's it been like trying to adapt to their different skill sets? Yeah, you know, there's actually, you know, with Tyler's athleticism, he's probably a little more. Um, you know, closer to the identity of Isaiah than most okay. people think. Yeah. Um, he's moving really good right now. He looks super athletic while he's still 265. So really excited about him and the training and the effort that he's put in this summer. Um, but in general, just I think the group as a, as a collective as ends, I think, you know, we're violent. I think we're explosive. I think we're versatile. Um, and so just anxious to see them continue to develop through the scheme, learning the scheme. And then just continue to be a little more physical in the run game. I think that's where we got to continue to improve. Um, but uh, you know, as far as just the schematics and how those guys fit into the scheme, they're um, very similar to the type of guys that we would have recruited to bring in if we were here in previous years. I'm going to guess somebody's told you how uh, poorly the, the Cougars did in set team sacks a year ago. Have you heard yeah. that number? Yeah, I've heard it. 129th. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you been like, like tasked with improving that? Is that something you're aware of? Like, what's the? Yeah, what what I tell everybody that asks me this question is that that scheme worked for a long time mm -hmm. here, and you know, sometimes schemes run its course, or sometimes people figure out how to, you know, go against your scheme. And so that scheme was a scheme that worked here and helped them win a lot of games. Um, and so, really, in my opinion, sacks is one statistic. Um, but there's other statistics as well that affect the quarterback. So we want to affect the quarterback, but there's different ways that you can do it. Obviously, sack the quarterback, but there's also things that you do can do in coverage to help the quarterback hold the ball that mm -hmm. still affects him, moves him off of his, you know, his pocket that he wants to throw in. Um, you know, batted balls. I mean, there's there's six different things categories that we use that how we want to affect the quarterback. And really, sacking quarterback is only one of them. So I think sack at times can be a little overrated statistic. Um, but I know it's a statistic that fans get excited about. But one thing I do promise is, you know, Coach Hill and this defense that he's going to call, we're, we're going to try to put some pressure on the quarterback. And so um, there's going to be times, though, where the tempos are going to change. There's going to be times where we drop eight. And it's going to look like the last couple of years and fans might lose yeah. their minds. Who knows, man? But that's just a part of how it all works. If you're running the same tempo over and over and over again, then offenses catch on to that, right? So the mixture of the tempos is a key from dropping eight to rushing four rushing five, rushing six, the rushing seven. I mean, we do it all. So um, I'm excited to see how that's all going to blend together with this group of guys. And so far, it's looked pretty good in camp. They've changed the clock rules this year. There's no stopping after first down, obviously. Is that going to be an advantage, disadvantage for you in your mind on defense? Yeah, I think it just shortens the game, which in turn, okay. you know, there's less plays. And, you know, shoot, there's been times over the last 10 years when these high-tempo offenses have gotten very popular in college football. We're, I mean, shoot, I remember back in the day when we were here going down to Houston playing and playing yeah. 112 plays. Yeah. And so that ain't going to happen no more. I think it's going to be really, really rare for a team to get to 90 plays, just like the NFL. I think you got to look at it, how many plays, you know, is a team in the NFL getting. And, you know, they're typically getting, you know, somewhere between 50 and 60. Yeah. And I think it's going to be, you know, in college football, probably 60 to 70, somewhere in there, which okay. is going to be pretty typical. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just going to help us stay a little healthier, hopefully shorten the game and I think that's what the NCAA is trying to do is shorten that game down a little bit and you know help protect the players from you know these high tempo offenses that are running 90 plays a game and and uh, shoot by the middle of the season it's like you've played a full season already so um, yeah it, I think it's a good rule change and I think I think it helps the defense more than it does help the offense. Obviously we're getting towards the midway point of training camp here what what do you want to see most from your guys moving forward here? At yeah the just end? just continue to learn the scheme uh -huh. continue to build their techniques and fundamentals 
um, and then ultimately just continue to be physical and stop the run. Because if we can stop the run um, on a consistent basis and be physical, then we're going to be able to do a lot of things to affect the quarterback. And so um, that's just been something we're continue to emphasize as a defense. Our offense gives us a great look of running and pounding the ball. So it's just something over these next three weeks I know we're going to continue to grow at and get better at. And then by, by the time we get to Sam Houston, it'll be fun to see what the boys can do. Be remiss not to ask about special teams. What's your confidence in the kicking game? Great. I feel really good. Um, you know, in three game or in three practices or four four days that we've kicked. Yeah. Um, I think Will's missed two. I think he's 17 for 19, and Matthias is 15 for 19, okay. or maybe he's 13 for 17. He's missed four, but I feel confident in both of those guys. And uh, yeah, I think we'll have good protection. We've had a snapper that's been along, around for a long time. That's really good. Um, a punter that's been around is one of the best in the country. And I think the talent that we have at kicker is going to be better than what most people think. And in my opinion, will be one of the best specialist groups I've been around in my whole career, just from top to bottom. And so I'm excited to see how these guys continue to develop. If, do you think the kickers, do they put an extra work over the offseason? Because the, the headlines, we all know how to spring ball. We're, we're not positive for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I think it wasn't as good or it wasn't as bad as what people made it out to be. The day the media showed up, it was a really windy day. Yeah. And, Trust me, and, I was, uh, I was yeah, there. I yeah. saw it. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah. I, I've been around Will for a long time, mm -hmm. and Will missed like one kick in the first spring ball I was in back in uh, Boise in 2022. So I think the talent is there. Obviously, doing a game is one thing. Yeah. And then the way that Matthias has come in, and uh, you know, he was a guy that Lee Johnson was training mm -hmm. uh, before he even got here, and Lee's put a ton of good work with him. So um, yeah, I think, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys see them in game one. And then hopefully they're as good as I think they're going to be. So, will but this, I have confidence in them. Last thing for me, will, there, will this linger into the season? Do you think, or you, will you have somebody established? You oh yeah, somebody one? will be established. That, what okay. I told those guys, um, competition will continue to go through uh -huh. fall camp and pretty much going into probably the Saturday. We'll have a Saturday scrimmage before that first game, and after that, okay. uh, we'll probably announce announce somebody on Monday. There you go, Kelly Papinga, BYU Special Teams Coordinator. You heard him talk about the fact that Will Farron had been making more kicks than Matthias Dunn. I had a conversation with one of our practice insiders actually yesterday, and we were talking about some of the things coming out of BYU practice over the last week or so, and especially when it comes to the scrimmage. It sounds like Will Farron is currently in the lead for the BYU kicker position. Does that mean that he's going to win the job outright? No. You heard Kelly talk about it. They're going to let it kind of lead up until at least the week before the game and then kind of settle on it, but I would venture a guess right now that Will Farron is the odds-on favorite to win that job and it's an upset in my mind because I was a guy coming out of spring ball. Many of you who are, are everydayers and regular listen listeners to this podcast know that I have been very much promoting Matthias Dunn as being the guy for BYU at kicker but uh, the nice part is apparently Will Farron has really kind of honed his craft based on what I have been hearing and has really shown out in training camp so far and that's that's a positive. You need a reliable kicker. You need a guy you can go out there you can trust to make a kick because we're going to talk about a game here in a moment as we round out today's edition of the show looking back at all the games in BYU football history who once upon a time was a Lou Groza award finalist but in the game we're going to talk about in particular had an opportunity to win it twice for BYU I'm speaking of Jake Oldroyd in the Baylor game last year but didn't come up uh, with the win uh, but obviously got out of there all the same for BYU getting the victory but it's what happens you need a reliable kicker and if Will Farron can provide the good 
goods, that would be a fantastic development for the BYU football program. But all the same, a big thank you to Kelly Papinga once again for taking the time uh, to join me here on the podcast and obviously sharing his wisdom and, and his insights with you, our listeners. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll finish out today's show with a look back once again at that game, uh, the win over BYU and Baylor, and also something that I talked about uh, wanting to start on uh, this uh, podcast. We're calling it, I guess, the, the question or the take of the day, and we'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, my friends, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes is a Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got many communities, home designs, and price points, all designed to help meet your needs as a consumer. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, as well as multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to move down to the southern end of the state. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes. Once again, all with the idea of fitting what you're looking for as a consumer. They even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to move now ready to move now and they're also offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender if you want to get started on that front as well so visit perryhomesutah.com to see what's new in utah's finest neighborhoods once again get started at perryhomesutah.com now for 50 years utah has been coming home to perry homes Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Uh, Appreciate all the support. A number of you have reached out uh, about uh, the giveaway we did last week and just kind of the overall kind of just the work we're doing here on the podcast. And it, it makes the it makes a world of difference when you guys have positive feedback. Obviously, uh, some of it, if you guys think things can be improved, I am all ears. Trust me. Uh, constructive criticism is what makes my product improve. Uh, if you're just going to take pot shots, that's a different story. But nonetheless, thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast. Now, I want to kind of debut a thing, and I'm, it may be an everyday thing. We'll see kind of how it goes. We'll still do our mailbag editions of the podcast, but there are questions kind of filter in throughout the week, and there's also uh, comments I see on YouTube and also on social media that I feel like I actually could add to the show. And one of them came in yesterday because it's a very uh, prominent rumor out there when it comes to the BYU football program, and that involves the health status of Micah Harper. Now, uh, a number of you probably have seen it on social media, rumors of a of a game-changing injury for the BYU football program. Uh, what I have heard, and so the question came in, I guess I should start there, the question of the day or the, the comment of the day. It came in from David, and David asked this. He said, Jake, what have you, what do you know slash what have you heard about Michael Harper? He's starting to make the rounds on social media. Can you fill us in on what is going on? Okay, well, uh, David and everybody else out there, what I have heard about Michael Harper is it's not encouraging. So uh, I'm not saying that he's, he's done for. We're obviously looking forward to being out at BYU football practice today and hopefully getting a comment from Kalani Satake uh, to talk about what the status will be. Uh, knowing Kalani, it'll kind of be a, a no-comment type deal. Maybe he will comment on it. I don't know. I don't know what necessarily to expect. But the conversations I've had with people around the BYU football program is that they're, they're worried about Michael Harper not being available, at least for an extended period of time. That's all I really know about the situation. So uh, bear with me on that. Anything that new that comes out, as soon as we have comment from Kalani Satake, I'm sure it'll be all over social media and all over the internet. So stay tuned for that. But what I have heard about it is it's not encouraging news for Michael Harper. And that's an absolute blow for BYU at safety to lose a guy like that. Him and Malik Moore looked 
absolutely incredible on the back end of BYU's defense. We're talking two very experienced safeties, very much uh, in control of this defense, understanding a lot of the concepts and what they're expected to do. Uh, the the traditional uh, Kyle Whittingham-esque defense that uh, that they're going to run at BYU under Jay Hill's direction uh, plays a lot of what they call single high safety. And what that means is you have one safety who really kind of sits deep in the middle of the field while the other safety plays closer to the, to the line of scrimmage where the offense is playing from to act as an extra run support and obviously offer opportunities for extra blitz looks, that type of stuff. Well, Micah Harper was a guy that was absolutely tailor-made for playing that. Uh, he wasn't the deep safety. That's more Malik Moore's role where he drops deep and he's kind of that, that last line of defense. But a guy like Micah Harper with his penchant for the ability to come up and tackle in space and really make plays all over the field, he was a phenomenal candidate to play that, I guess that, I, I don't know, college. It's probably a strong safety is probably the easiest way to call it. It's not a true strong safety in every sense of the word, but it's a guy who can come up and play and run support and really help BYU's defense improve, and that's what Micah Harper offered to BYU. Him being out for an extended period of time, whether it's weeks, months, whatever it might be, that's not good for BYU's defense, but they do have bodies at the safety position that I think can step up. Jay Hill said in the post-scrimmage media session that he feels he's got six or seven guys he think are capable of playing. Uh, well, if that's the case, you would expect the guys like Taylor Alfrey, uh, Raider DeMooney, Crew Wakely, Tanner Wall, any one of those guys have got to be looking at this as an opportunity to stake claim to that position being theirs. I think the odds-on favorite to pair with uh, Malik Moore, if, if this is how, if what I'm hearing is true about uh, Michael Harper's injury being more on the serious side, if he is out for an extend, any extended period of time, I think Talon Alfrey is the first guy to enter and obviously play that uh, that kind of box safety role. I guess is the easiest way I would kind of term it. Now, like I said, other guys could step up and obviously earn that job, but you can't uh, overstate how much losing uh, Michael Harper hurts this program. It, it, it's devastating in many ways because this is a kid, as many of you might recall, during the 2020 season was an absolute sensation as a freshman, then suffered an ACL tear that cost him the entire rest of that year and obviously took him quite a while to get back on the field from that injury. Having another extensive uh, rehab like that would be just, it, it would suck in so many ways for Michael Harper. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. That's that's what I've got for you guys at this point. But uh, like I said, everything I'm hearing right now is it's not good news for Michael Harper. And uh, fingers crossed that uh, it's not necessarily a season-ending deal, but right now it sure seems that might be the, the, the way things are trending for Harper in terms of uh, his, his, his availability for this upcoming season. All right. Spent a lot longer on that than I anticipated, but let's quickly recap uh, another game of BYU's football independence run. All 155 games. We have spent all offseason going through this, and now we have entered the 2022 season. We talked yesterday about an absolutely explosive win for BYU over USF. After that victory, BYU returned home for their home opener on a, a, a pretty sultry uh, uh, Saturday night down in Provo. The Baylor Bears were coming to town. BYU ranked 21st in the country. Baylor was ranked ninth. They were coming off a Big 12 title in the 2021 season. 
expectations were high. Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos returning to Provo, Utah, where they'd cut their teeth in many ways, especially for Mateos as a position and coordinators for the BYU football program. And this was an absolute just knockdown dragout fight. Many of you might recall this game. Uh, Blake Shapin came in, was very pedestrian, 18 of 28, 137 yards and one touchdown. Baylor was just like absolutely intent, hell bent, I, I would say, uh, speaking of Jeff Grimes, on wanting to run it down BYU's throat like they had done the year before. BYU's defense, in my, in retrospect, played maybe their best defensive game. I, not maybe. It was their best defensive outing of the season in this win for BYU. They ultimately get the win 26-20 in double overtime. Many of you might recall, as I referred to earlier, Jake Oldroyd missed not one, but two potential game-winning kicks in this one. There was the famous photo and a video of Jaron Hall going up to him after the game and embracing him and telling him, hey, it's all good. But it was a big win for BYU. Crowd rushed the field. Uh, all the vibes were positive for BYU. I was doing BYU pre and post, and we weren't sure going into the game how to feel about it because BYU had absolutely got thumped by Baylor the year before, but BYU gets that payback on their home field, and it was an impressive win for BYU. Uh, truly, in, in retrospect, by far the best defensive outing for BYU of the season, holding down a pretty good Baylor Bears team to get that victory. Uh, Jaron Hall ended up 23 of 39 for 261 yards and one touchdown. Chase Roberts also threw a touchdown pass, as you might recall, to Jaron Hall in this game. BYU struggled for the second straight year against Baylor to run the ball. Chris Brooks was BYU's leading rusher with 31 yards on on the night, 83 yards as a team. BYU on 33 carries, just 2.5 yards per carry. But uh, to Baylor's side of things, they tried to rush the ball 52 times in this game, only 152 yards, averaging just 2.9 yards per carry. Very impressive stuff, honestly, from BYU. They get a big win, improve to 2 0. And then at some in some small way, it feels like BYU may have peaked during the 2022 season. After this game, and we'll try and uh, explain that, explain more of what I mean by that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for all of you guys uh, tuning in, sharing it, liking, rating, reviewing, commenting on the show, all the support you guys give us. It's awesome to have you guys being a part of the community and cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of the podcast. Obviously, thank you for making it your first listen and thank you to all of you for being everydayers with us right here on the podcast. And until tomorrow, this has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.